I'm Nathan Whitaker, and I thank you for tuning into 1618. In today's episode, we will be looking at the topic of environmentalism. What does the secular world say about our place in this world? What does the Bible say, and how can we reach across the aisle to evangelize on this issue? So why this issue? Why environmentalism? Well, I think it's important for us to first define the terms in order to understand why we are talking about it and why it is important for Christians to understand. Environmentalism can be defined as a general term to refer to concern for the environment and particularly actions or advocacy to limit negative human impacts on the environment. I'm quoting the International Encyclopedia of Human Geography, and it goes on to say, Contemporary environmentalism is associated with a range of social and political movements that have emerged to promote particular environmental philosophies and practices. There have been numerous attempts to classify these activities, with most adopting a dualistic strategy, contrasting those who are concerned to protect the environment for its own sake, or ecocentrism, and those who are concerned with the environment because of its role in human development, anthropocentrism. In general, these two categories, ecocentrism and anthropocentrism, are the leading philosophies behind environmentalism today. What is interesting, however, is that they both have a part of the truth, yet miss the mark when put against the biblical worldview. As happens many times in this world, sin distorts the truth ever so slightly so that it may seem to be correct, but is actually missing the mark entirely. Let's dive deeper into these categories of ecocentrism and anthropocentrism and then pit them against the Bible in order to really understand what's going on here. Ecocentrism, as briefly defined above, is the view that we must protect the earth for the earth's sake. In other words, the earth has inherent moral value and must be protected from irreparable harm. On the surface, that might sound like a great thing, but what is driving this ideology? The underlying factor here is that the humans are no more important than the earth on which they live. What is the irreparable harm from which the earth needs protection? Mainly us. The Millennium Alliance for Humanity and the Biosphere, or MOB, an initiative of Stanford University, has an article called Why Ecocentrism is the Key Pathway to Sustainability. In it, the authors state, Ecocentrism goes beyond biocentrism, ethics that sees inherent value to all living things, by including environmental systems as wholes in their abiotic aspects. It also goes beyond zoocentrism, seeing value in animals, on account of explicitly including flora and the ecological context for organisms. Ecocentrism is thus the umbrella that includes biocentrism and zoocentrism, because all three of these worldviews value the non-human, with ecocentrism having the widest vision. Just look at that last phrase. All three of these worldviews value the non-human. That's extraordinary honesty when it comes to the place of humans in the world. You might be thinking why that matters. I mean, does it matter what some scientists at Stanford think about the place of humans in the world? Certainly. It matters because universities such as Stanford are on the leading edge of ethics in our society, and whether we like it or not, they have some pull. But what does this look like by the time it reaches us, or at least those of us who do not work in these fields? Well, let's just follow the logic. If humans are simply a more advanced species, more evolved than their ecological counterparts, then the only thing that makes them more important than any other life on Earth is the fact that they progressed sooner. I mean, if divergent evolution is true, then other species will eventually evolve that also have the same mental, verbal, emotional, and societal capacities that humans possess. 
If the human race is just an advanced species, then they are no more important than any other life on Earth, nor are they more important than the Earth itself, which provided for them the means for their evolution. How does this play out? It comes down to the necessary belief that if it's left to deciding between the humans or the Earth, the Earth must take priority. At some points, this can take the form of protests against developments and emphasis upon lowering carbon emissions and the push for better sources of energy. But on an extreme level, this can lead to euthanasia and even infanticide. How so? Because if humans are taking the Earth's energy and resources, but are failing or unable to contribute to the betterment of the Earth, then it is better for those humans to be eradicated. If we are just an advanced species, then it's just a sacrifice that must be made in order to preserve the Earth. Responding to the claim of being anti-human, however, Mob writes, We reject this contention. Ecocentrists overwhelmingly support interhuman social justice. However, they also support interspecies justice, or eco-justice, for the non-human world. Just as environmental systems involve many interrelationships, just as environmental systems involve many relationships, we think environmental and social systems are entwined. And so social and eco-justice concerns are and must be as well. At least we can be sure that coming on the tails of the Black Lives Matter movement, we may begin to see Cat Lives Matter as well. What about anthropocentrism, though? Doesn't that view hold humans as more important than the Earth? Anthropocentrism does hold that human beings are the most important species, but its view on the Earth and our responsibility towards the Earth is lacking. To define by distinction, the ecocentric worldview holds that all life is equally important, and so inanimate life is just as important as human life, but the anthropocentric worldview holds that human life is the most important, and the rest of the Earth is just a tool or resource for the human. How does this play out in the world, then? Well, it can easily lead to humans acting without care. Whether that is unbridled pollution, needless destruction, or just negligence, if people have the worldview that they are the only thing that matters and that the Earth is just a tool for them, then it doesn't matter what they do to it. At this point, the only reason not to just throw your trash out on the ground or to even think about recycling is because of the social ramifications. Furthermore, when discussing the concerns of anthropocentrism, a chapter in the Eucyclopedia of Applied Ethics states, Anthropocentric ethics are often blamed for the worldview that has allowed the environmental crises in the first place. If only humans matter morally, and if all other beings and systems have only instrumental value for humans, then we have little reason to care about or treat other beings with respect unless we serve to benefit from this respect. A nuanced anthropocentrism would argue in response that ecologically humans are dependent upon and embedded within all other beings and systems, therefore making decisions that are good for humans will inevitably also serve all other elements of the environment as well. Presented to us then is two views of environmentalism, ecocentrism, or the view that all life on Earth is equally important, and anthropocentrism, the view that only human life holds importance. But why should you care? Why should I care? This brings us to the whole point of this episode, which is what does the Bible say about environmentalism? When God created the heavens and the earth in six days, resting on the seventh, part of his mandate for Adam was that he be a steward of the earth, working it and caring for it. So the ecocentrist might chime in and say, see, Adam was supposed to care for the earth. However, God made it very clear that human beings were to have dominion over the earth and over all living creatures. Is this the anthropocentric view then? I don't think so. What's missing in both of these worldviews is the clear mandate given by the Creator. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, 
over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Furthermore, when speaking of Adam's place in the Garden of Eden, chapter 2 of Genesis says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. This is the truth for all human life. First of all, we have dominion over all living things and over this world. It is true that it was given to us for our benefit and for our using. However, we are also stewards of this earth and the creatures living on it, and it is our duty to care for them. What are the implications then in real life situations? Well, if we need natural resources for the betterment and improvement of our country, not pursuing those resources because it will destroy plant or animal life may not be in alignment with the biblical worldview. We must remember that the earth was given for us to use as we need it. Of course, that means we ought not abuse it, but at the same time, it means that we shouldn't starve or deplete ourselves of resources for the sake of the earth. At the same time, however, we must be careful to not recklessly harm the earth for the sake of human gain. It is our duty to care for the earth as it belongs to God, and it reflects our love for him when we care for what he has given us. Environmentalists are afraid of one thing, destroying the earth. As Christians, we know that this will happen, but not only that this will happen, but exactly how this will happen. Just read Revelation to get a picture of how God will completely destroy this earth in the last days. What does that mean for us? It means that the earth will not be destroyed by something like carbon emissions. It will not be destroyed by natural disasters brought on from pollution. It will not be destroyed according to God's promise to Noah, even by a flood due to global warming, but it will be destroyed in the last days by fire from God. This is something that Christians ought to care about. I can say from personal experience, environmentalism is something that Christians ought to care about. I can say from personal experience that I have often put the topic out of my mind because the field of environmentalism seems so wrought with political, theological, and social liberalism, and that is very often the case. However, Christians must have an answer to these questions. So as we approach this topic with our non-believing friends, or sometimes even our believing friends that have fallen into believing this sort of ideology, it is important to first point to creation, the creator, and the mandate given to us through Adam. Our job is to rule over the earth, to use it for our benefit, but to care for it for the glory of our creator. Thank you for listening to this episode of 1618. If you like this episode, please like and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. And I invite you to continue engaging with my posts, sharing my episodes, sending me messages. If the Lord has put it on your heart to donate to this podcast and help me continue to improve, head on over to my website, 1618podcast.com, 1618podcast.com for more information.